As promised, I'm back with part two of what does it mean to be a work in progress? If you haven't listened to episode 25, I suggest you go back and do so before moving forward. It will make this episode make a lot more sense if you do. Last week, I shared about some difficult things I'm processing right now in my life. And while you know, it might not sound super difficult in the grand scheme of things, you know, to me, it is pretty significant. I started with the feeling of discomfort around receiving positive attention, even though deep down that's exactly what I want from others. And I ended up uncovering feelings of being scared and trapped and disconnected from my sense of self. I'd pulled out two old self-portraits from nearly 20 years ago and attempted to create a present day version of them. I started my art making time last week thinking that I'd end up feeling more connected to my identity, but found there was too much to unpack in one day. I allowed myself to feel what came up and continued to think and process through what was continuing to come up for me throughout the week. Then last Thursday, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I tapped into and honed in on an emotion that I hadn't felt during my art making, and I knew it was exactly what I needed to explore with my art the following day. This really is a process overcomer. Welcome to Art That Overcomes, where we are redefining identity after narcissistic abuse. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an artist, licensed art therapist, and coach who helps women like you overcome the lasting effects of narcissistic abuse. It's the anxiety, self-doubt, and lack of confidence that can keep us stuck even long after the abusive relationship has ended. Together, we are redefining our identities, one drawing or painting at a time, because it's your turn to take charge now, no narcissists allowed. I teach all my clients the same art and writing technique that's been so life-changing in my own recovery. It allows us to connect our thinking brain to our feeling brain and, quite literally, draw out the subconscious thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that need to be heard. In each episode, I'll share a piece of my artwork along with the free association writing I did in response to the image. Then at the end, you'll get a little bit of encouragement from your future self as I invite you to join me in imagining what message she may have for you today. This is real, raw, and vulnerable because in my experience, that's what it takes to truly heal. Let's get to it. It's so interesting to me how the subconscious brain works. Now, I'm not referring to the deep and complicated science or even the psychology of it necessarily, but just from the perspective of a regular person sorting through trauma and various emotions and limiting beliefs that seep their way from our subconscious brain into our conscious, present thoughts and actions. So as I said, I had spent the past several days continuing to ponder what came up in my artwork last week. And that means that I was holding those thoughts about being uncomfortable with attention loosely in my mind, as well as thoughts about the memories um, of myself in my early 20s versus my present day self. And I was stopping to take time to think more deeply about it here and there. 
but my subconscious was doing a lot of work behind the scenes as it kept me aware of clues, if you will, that that I needed to take in, things in my environment that prompted deeper thought and insight. So then one day, my daughter and I, we were watching a TV show where kids were being challenged to jump off a high dive into a swimming pool. And, you know, she and I were talking about it and if we'd be willing to follow through or not. And I told her that I'd never jumped off a high dive. But then as we continued to converse about this, I remembered an experience I had in my early 20s. So kind of close to the time of when I created those older self-portraits. It might have been like a year later, but it was still that same phase of life for me. And at that time, I had jumped off of a 30 to 35 foot cliff in Arizona into a river. Now, I'm not super adventurous and definitely not a spontaneous person. And I can't really swim. I can just doggy paddle, you know, enough to keep myself alive for a couple of minutes. So this cliff jumping thing was mildly terrifying and definitely out of my comfort zone. But I did it and I felt so proud. And so after we talked about it the other day, I found a photo of that experience of the cliff jumping and I showed it to my daughter and we talked about it a little more. Then it was either like later that day or the next day that I saw on Instagram that a friend had posted something to her Instagram stories that said, for 2023, show a photo of yourself at age 23. And of course, that stood out to me because this is the time period in my life I had already been contemplating. Again, my subconscious at work. And so I was, you know, this was standing out to me. So so this on thing on Instagram, it was the type of thing where you like click on that sort of prompt or question, and then um, it allows you to share it to your stories too. So you add your photo and you share that same prompt to your stories. So I immediately thought of the, that cliff jumping experience, and that was the photo I wanted to share. So I was already, you know, in the space of remembering that trip to Arizona and everything about my life at that time. And it just, it felt like perfect timing to show this photo. So I posted a couple of photos from that. And after doing that, um, the photos remained in my phone under recent photos. Cause in order to find these pictures, I had gone back into um, an old like Facebook photo album where I knew they were. And then I'd save them to my phone in order to upload to Instagram. So anyway, that might be too many details for you. But what I'm saying is these photos then ended up in my recent photos um, on my phone. And then over the course of the next few days, I kept seeing them. So it was a really interesting experience and I want you to take note of this. So I kept seeing those photos on my phone as I would open up my photos to view other things. And I had this deep internal emotional reaction. So as soon as I would see them out of the corner of my eye, I felt something very strong. And I noticed it a few times before I was actually willing to slow down and really pay attention to it. And once I did, I totally started crying. Like I started bawling once I gave myself the space to feel what was happening when I looked at those photos. And what I want you to pay attention to here is the way that I kept noticing the feeling come up, but I couldn't name it. So I want you to take a second and think about your own emotional patterns. Do you tend to feel a low level of sadness or anger or anxiety related to certain memories, people, places, or experiences? And are you exploring those feelings deeper or have they just sort of become part of the landscape of your everyday life? 
you know, it's so easy to get used to these emotions and to brush past them like I was doing for a couple days. But I encourage you to really think on this. And when you notice an emotion continuing to come up, stop and feel it and explore what it's trying to tell you. What I realized I was feeling when I looked at those photos was a deep sense of sadness and grief. I missed the Jennifer who had gone on that trip to Arizona. So many things about her that I'm not able to tap into as much in recent years. I missed those things. And I allowed myself to sit and really, really cry and feel the grief. I noticed that I often have a tendency to accept those kind of feelings like at face value and I don't explore what's behind them. But this time I did stop. And after I'd cried a lot, I got out a journal and I wrote and prayed about what I was feeling. And at first I didn't know what to write. It wasn't flowing easily. And so that's a good point to note here too. Sometimes it takes some time to get the insight out of these emotions, but I just got started and then I kept going. So here's what I first began to write. I said, revisiting the old self-portraits, meaning those 20-year-old self-portraits I'd gotten out last week, revisiting the old self-portraits and then the photos from Arizona, it really got to me emotionally and I'm sorting that out. I miss certain aspects of her. She was playful, she had friends, she went on adventures. So I was still really having trouble putting it into words when I wrote this down, you know, this feeling, I couldn't put it to words. And it's not that I don't have a playful spirit anymore or that I don't have friends or even that I don't go on adventures anymore. You know, all of those things are still a part of my life, but there was something about the feeling I associated with those things in my early 20s that was different. On the next line, I wrote the way I felt in Arizona in big letters and I underlined it. And again, I felt tears coming up as I wrote this and I just sat with the feeling. It was the good feeling of being there in Arizona mixed with the grief of wishing I could revisit that feeling and not just, you know, in my memories. And I went on to write a little bit more um, addressing God more directly. So this is to God. I said, I had so many issues going on at that time, but I felt close to you and close to my sense of self, my artist and nature loving self. I was just starting to figure out my calling then, and I wouldn't change my journey for anything, all the growth, maturity and hardship and suffering. And of course I wrote my Deborah, who is my daughter. So I don't regret any of that. So after I wrote that, then I took a minute away from my journal. And so this is still like in the mindset of just being with these emotions, but it's like I needed to just sort of take a break from the journaling for a moment. And at some point I ended up looking at social media and I do follow a lot of encouraging social media accounts. So that's not always like a, a mindless loss of time for me. You know, sometimes it is. But so I logged onto social media and I saw a post that one of my favorite trauma coaches and podcast hosts had posted. And it simply said in capital letters, let go. So again, I had a very emotional reaction and I allowed that and I paid attention to it. You know, I was in this place of being open to my feelings and open to messages coming in from all kinds of sources, both inside and outside myself. And this message of let go was one that struck me. So I sat with it and I felt a sense that a lot of the grief I'm feeling over the loss of my sense of self from my young adulthood is of my own making. And what I mean by this is that 
I really am still that same Jennifer in many ways. My life looks different now as a middle-aged adult with a child and with more responsibilities all around, but the core of who I am remains the same. So why must I miss her so much? Like, what's going on with this grief? Why do I miss her that much? And I was thinking, you know, I can choose to let go and just be her, right? Like, I can choose to let go of, of this grief. Well, you know, I wasn't exactly entirely sure about this yet, but I knew I was on to something. So then on Friday, so that was Thursday, I believe, and on Friday, after more processing, um, there was something really obvious that finally occurred to me, or it seems obvious now in retrospect. So what had I experienced in some of those years between my young adulthood and now? Well, lots of things, both good and bad, but the bad was pretty grief-filled and traumatic, namely my relationship with the narcissist. I certainly can't say that I was doing perfectly fine before he showed up in my life, but those parts that I miss, those beautiful parts of me, that's what was smothered in the abuse, right? I know you can relate to this. That's the flame that he sought to snuff out. I've named my coaching program the Redefined Process because we are focused on redefining our identity after the abuse. In my own recovery, I've found that it's that loss of identity that is really the root cause of so many of our ongoing trauma symptoms after the narcissistic abuse has ended. And in addition to using the word redefined, I also often use the word reconnect. So I say that we are reconnecting with and redefining our identities, one drawing or painting at a time. What I've realized this past week is that it's important for me to sort of toggle back and forth between focusing on the reconnecting piece and the redefining. So for me, reconnecting with my identity means remembering who I was before the abuse. And redefining, to me, means to write a new narrative about who I am, not who the narcissist says I am. So both concepts are very much related, but not exactly the same. So I'm thinking I need to focus more on this reconnection piece right now. Before I returned to my self-portraits um, from last week to keep drawing and exploring, I did a little more journaling. So this is the day after the let go message and all of the crying and everything. And I decided to sit down and journal a little more before I started doing the art again. And here is some of what I wrote. I said, Sometimes I try too hard to make meaning out of what I went through, referring to the narcissistic abuse. I get so focused on that and I forget that it's still okay to acknowledge what he took from me, what the abuse robbed me of. It's okay to still grieve that loss, even though I've already grown so much. Lately, I've been really focused on digging into my childhood trauma and wounds, healing those even younger parts. And then I said, those were the parts who left unhealed had caused me to be a young woman so needy of attention and a feeling of control and security from a man that I gave control to the narcissist subconsciously. But now I've gone back and given those youngest parts the space to speak, given them a voice. So it makes sense that I'm now in a place to let my young adult self speak louder. I want to let her scream and cry out and declare who she is, what she wants, and what she needs. And then I said, I want to spend some time 
being with her, hugging her. I want to hold her and tell her it's going to be all right. I want her to feel free to express herself fully the way she felt in Arizona, painting a mural, being with friends, being in nature. And I remember when I wrote, I want to hug her, um, that I was looking at one of those portraits from when I was in my early 20s. So that was an interesting experience, just still responding to those. So, so I hope you see here how this is all progressing for me and starting to make more sense, right? I know I'm sharing a lot of details here, but I really want to model this for you. This process of staying open to our emotions and thoughts and what they're leading us to explore next. Just sort of riding that wave and going with the flow and being open. So after I did that journaling, I wrote down my intention for my art making time. And here's my intention. I will explore how I can incorporate the feeling of young adult Jennifer into these new portraits. How can I reconnect with her in this process? Now, as I said earlier, if you haven't listened to episode 25, please go back and do so. This will make more sense. But just a quick recap, the way that I'd ended my three self-portraits that I worked on last week was to take some cream colored paint and paint over my drawings so that much of the images were blotted out, but not entirely. There was sort of a ghost image still visible through the light colored paint. And that's where I picked up working on them again, this again on Friday after writing my intention that I would explore how to incorporate the feeling of young adult Jennifer and seeking to reconnect with her in this process. Okay, so I decided to continue with just the first two of the three self-portraits only because they felt the most emotionally charged to me. And if you recall, I had written words like trapped and scared directly on those images. And I wasn't sure um, what that was all about, except that I felt disconnected from me. I chose to draw on them with graphite pencil and colored pencils this time. If you've been in my world long enough, you've heard me talk about how different art media can affect our emotions in different ways. So pencils, for example, are easily controlled and therefore they can give us a sense of control. Whereas something like um, something more fluid like paint tends to be more emotive. It can bring out our emotions that were kind of stuffed down. So intuitively, I knew that the pencils would feel calm and you know controlled for me on this day. It just felt good, it felt right. I also wanted to get more detailed in the drawing, something I hadn't been emotionally ready for previously, and a pencil was the right tool for the job. I'll try to describe the two images briefly now, but honestly, it's kind of hard to describe, but I'll, I'll give you the gist of it. So looking at the first portrait, I noticed that one of the eyes really stood out to me. It wasn't quite as covered up by the paint. And then looking at the second portrait, it was the mouth that stood out to me. So I decided that as I continued working on them, I would continue drawing over and sort of covering up some parts of the drawing, but would leave those particular features, the eye in the first drawing and the mouth in the second drawing, I'd leave those more visible and would also embellish them further. So that was just kind of a, a decision I made as I was looking at them initially. The first drawing shows one green eye and brown eyebrow toward the upper left-hand corner of the paper. A little below the eye where the bottom of the cheek would be, there's a spot where a sort of web-like connection of wavy lines all come to a point, they all meet there, and then they radiate outward. Some of the spaces between those gray pencil lines are filled in with pink colored pencil. 
In the second drawing, I chose to emphasize the mouth by drawing, uh, well, tracing a circle shape around the nose, mouth, and chin areas. I also filled in some areas inside the circle with pink, leaving the areas around the circle gray only. So there's this contrast to the area in the circle that has a little bit of color and then just the gray on the outside of the circle. I don't think I'm finished with these drawings yet, but I've definitely reached another important stopping point. I encourage you to check out the photos of what these self-portraits look like now. As I said, they're kind of hard to describe just in words. Um, you can do that on the Art That Overcomes Instagram page, or if you're on my email list, then check your inbox. It's already there. If you don't know how to find any of this stuff, just head to the link in the show notes and you'll see everything you need. Now let's hear what my drawings, aka my subconscious brain or the younger parts and the present day parts of myself, let's see what they had to tell me through my free association writing in response to the images. Self-portrait number one. I love you in there, in the lines and shapes and colors and pink, pink haze of newness and freedom and breath. Easy living there in the wild eye of my youth and of the her of today, all tousled and topsy-turvy, in there. I ask, in where? Who is she? It answers, she is who I need to be and the strength to get there. She is in me and outside of me too. She is trapped and also freed. She is waving hello and goodbye from beneath the waves. I ask, why are the waves there? They cover what they need to cover so much. I ask, why? They protect, they hold, they're secure. She's not going anywhere. But in the secure hold of the waves that flex and move and fancy with her on this journey to be me. I ask, or to find me, to reconnect? Yeah, but she's there. You already know her. You already know her and love her and know her and feel all her beauty inside the cave of despair and wonder and delight and longing and wanting and waiting and feeling all the feelings that arise. I ask, what do you need? It says, I need to see, and I need you to see me, connected, this I, it's so strong, and so are you. Self-portrait number two. She's scared, but showing up, I guess. I don't like you as much as the other drawing, the other face. You weirded me out. And then I ask why? And it says, because of how long you are, how pointed, how knowing, and not knowing at the same time, and time for a change in me, in my mouth and my hair and my nose, she knows, who knows what this will become, and it's the scary parts represented here. She wants to mouth open say things that no one will say, her voice, her voice. So open and loud and vibrant and innocent and open again. In the inside of the wall that she's built, of that circle, it holds all the power and the innerness, the insides, the guts, the wanting and the break, the hell free. Take her there through the voice, through her voice into the outside. 
the outside and inside of me and my control and my inner burning desire and need to tell him to get the fuck away, to protect all that I have left, only my voice, it feels like. Only that is mine, but it's the one thing I feel I can't use. A false sense of what I can and cannot do. Then I say all of it and I ask, can I really do all of it all I want? Yes, with focus. Focus in on this part. Like you looked deep into the eye, look into this mouth. Kiss her and know her. Know that she is free and relaxed and validated and secure. Known. So truly known. And loved for her, and that means her voice too. Intentionally, on purpose. Her voice, her words, her heart are loved beyond measure. In spite of the measuring stick that says her words are too long and too true and too poignant but because of what they are. I ask, what do you need? I need to be free. Let me talk, let me out. Speak to me and for me and let's do this together and no filter. No one telling me what's the matter with me. I'm open to you. Thank you. There are a few things I want to point out here regarding what came up for me in this particular art and writing process. First, I want to remind you that this is free association writing. So that means I do my best to write whatever comes to my mind in the moment, even if it doesn't seem to make sense, even if it sounds cliched, and even if it surprises me and doesn't sound like me. There are run-on sentences, there are word associations that lead me down trails I wouldn't have expected. There are times when I connect words because of the way they sound, and that happened several times in what I just read to you. Like you heard me use the word nose, N-O-S-E, and that led to a few more uses of the word no, K-O-K-N-O-W-S, nose and no. So it's in going with the flow and writing everything down that we get to the bottom of the insight that our subconscious needs to release into that conscious space on our paper. In my writing about the first drawing, the line that stood out to me the most was this. She is who I need to be and the strength to get there. She is in me and outside of me too. She is trapped and also freed. Now, to me, this references the beautifully confusing balance between the way we perceive our current present self and the future self who already exists inside of us and is waiting to be uncovered one day at a time. I already have the strength and the freedom inside me, but my present self still holds on to some feelings of being trapped and weak. And that theme continues as later I say, but she's there, you already know her. You already hold her and love her and know her and feel all her beauty. And then I end with this I, it's so strong and so are you. And I can honestly tell you that I felt that strength when I was working on this drawing. I'd been a little disappointed, you know, that first day that I worked on it because I'd wanted to feel a greater sense of connection to my identity and I had not at all. I even felt more of a divide between um, myself and like my, my true identity, if that makes sense, like my present self and like who I wanted to be or who I felt I was at my core. 
But after the second time working on the drawing, I felt very strong, very sure of myself and very much connected to my core sense of self. My entire nervous system felt calm and secure. It was really beautiful. And then I moved on to work on the second drawing. And part of me didn't really want to because I hadn't liked that drawing as much, both for visual reasons and like emotional reasons. But I'm so glad I kept going. I actually wrote quite a bit more in response to the second drawing than I had with the first one. And you can hear my resistance in the beginning when I just flat out tell the drawing I don't like it. And then when I ask my subconscious brain why, it answers with this. Because of how long you are, how pointed, how knowing, and not knowing at the same time, and time for a change in me. In my mouth, and my hair, and my nose, she knows... K-N-O-W-S, who know, she knows, who knows what this will become, wait, she knows, and then another thought, see, it's run on weird sentences, and then the question, like, who knows what this will become, and it's the scary parts represented here, so, <laughs> again, this is weird, because free association, but let me break down what I think was going on here, this is where I go back and forth between the word knows, K-N-O-W-S, and knows, N-O-S-E, and I think that once I had used the word knows, N-O-S-E, it brought me back to this important concept of knowing, like knowing myself that I had started that thought with a couple sentences before. So my brain wanted to go there and I followed that intuition. I went with the flow and I allowed it. And as a result, I ended up confronting the truth that I didn't like the drawing because it revealed scary parts I didn't want to see. And it was also like these unknown parts, right? When I said, who knows what this will become and the scary parts represented here. So I don't know what those scary parts represent. I don't know what this is going to turn into. So I had this like kind of subconscious resistance to even, you know, exploring the drawing further. And it was, it was really important that, that I did just go with it, right? I, I went with the flow. I wrote it down because then this next part that came out was about what I think I'm truly scared of. So I really got down to the root of it. What is this unknown thing? And it's my voice, you know, and I, that had come up previously and then it, it comes up again. So I think that in spite of all the ways that I've grown in my confidence and, you know, I've spoken out about my story and started helping other women in their recovery and even, you know, starting a podcast for goodness sake, you know, you'd think I'm using my voice, right? But I think that I'm still afraid to really use it to a certain extent. But here, you know, my subconscious brain is using the art and writing to tell me that this is exactly what I need to do. And this isn't a new message for me by any means. This has come up a lot. And one story I want to share I remember a few years ago when I was I was first starting my business, venturing into private practice, art therapy, and starting to develop my coaching program. And I met a colleague at a local networking event who had just started her own coaching practice. And one of the services she offered to clients was chakra readings. Now, I don't know a lot about chakras and I wasn't even sure if I believed in it at that time, but she offered me a complimentary session, so I took her up on it. And we did several different things in the session, but what stands out in my memory the most was the chakra reading. So if you're not familiar with how this works, and again, I don't know a whole lot about it, I've only had one experience, but she had me lay down on a table, like a massage table, and I was face up and um, I had a, like a warm blanket on me. She let me, you know, get really like relaxed, um, you know, dim lighting. I think there was some music playing. 
And then she took this um, pendant that was hanging on a chain, so like a necklace essentially, and she held it over my body at different points, like different chakra points, paying attention to how the pendant moved. My very basic understanding of this is that we have different sort of energy fields in our body and this metallic pendant will react to that energy. So it's, it's actually like less spiritual and kind of more scientific in a way is how I understand it. Now, as she was holding the pendant over me, my eyes were closed and I wasn't focused on what she was doing at all. I was just relaxing. But after she finished, she reported to me what she had observed. She told me about how the pendant had responded at different chakra points in my body and then what that meant. So two of those points, I remember she she shared more about because a lot of a lot of them were just sort of kind of in like, I guess, a normal range, if you will. But um, one area she pointed out was my reproductive area, as she referred to it. And she said the pendant made a big, steady circle over this area of my body and said that indicated health and like everything working well. And then she told me that as she had moved up my torso, the pendant began to make really erratic movements over my throat chakra. And she was really surprised and even kind of said this was the most erratic kind of movement she'd seen in a chakra reading. So that like stood out to me like, whoa, like something super wrong with me, right? Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a good thing that it was moving this way. So she explains that the throat chakra um, can be related to our voice. And as we processed further, we talked about how my voice had been silenced in the abuse and then, you know, even going back to childhood, I'd grown up very like a very shy and quiet kid and never felt really confident or empowered to use my voice. And then, you know, we talked about how there were so many things specifically related to the narcissistic abuse I experienced as an adult that, that I still felt I couldn't fully voice, right? So needless to say, this information really stuck with me. And then in the time since that session, I have noticed the theme of my voice coming up a few times. It hasn't been like a predominant theme, like in all my artwork or even most of it. But when it does come up, it is very strong. This is something that um, I clearly need to work on in the sense that, you know, my subconscious brain keeps, it wants me to work on it, right? My, my sense of self is very tied up in this. So when the second drawing revealed a desire to use my voice and fear around doing it, like I knew to take it seriously. And I, I still, again, I, I, I'm betting that, that many of you listening can relate to this. Like I still have a bit of rage inside of me, you know, some things that need to be said, some declarations about who I am that contradict the narcissist narrative. And I love how my art and writing affirmed me and supported me in that. You know, it said at one point, my writing said, focus in on that part. Like you looked deep into the eye, referring to the eye in the other portrait, look into this mouth. Kiss her and know her. Know that she is free and relaxed and validated and secure, known. There's that, that concept of being known again, so truly known and loved for her, and that means her voice too, intentionally, on purpose. Her voice, her words, her heart are loved beyond measure in spite of the measuring stick that says her words are too long and too true and too poignant, but because of what, because of what they are, like not in spite of them, but because of what they are, the trueness to who she is. The trueness, is that a word? I'm just going to use it. The trueness, the truth of who she is. 
So when I referred to that measuring stick, I was thinking about the judgment placed on me by the narcissist. You know, my voice, my words, and my heart are loved beyond measure now for exactly who and what they are with intention, loved by me and loved by others in my life. And then when I asked this second drawing, what do you need? It told me I need to be free. Let me talk. Let me out. Speak to me and for me. Gosh, that just stuck out to me again as I read it. Speak for me, like on behalf of these hidden parts in me. The the current more confident self needs to speak for those parts, right? Gosh, that just got to me in the moment. Speak to me and speak for me. And let's do this together. And no filter, no one telling me what's the matter with me. And I told this encouraging empower inner voice, I'm open to you. And it responded, thank you. So again, can you relate to this overcomer? How can your inner voice support you in using your outer voice in being truly and fully who you are? No judgment. Before we move on to imagine what message your future self might have for you today, I want to let you know how you can join me in this process of using art to redefine your identity. So it was after experiencing the power of this art and writing process myself that I decided to reverse engineer it to create a step-by-step program that you can follow too. I get so excited about this. I call it the redefined process because we're all about redefining, right? And it's all included, this whole process, in my monthly Redefined membership, along with so much more. You're also going to get access to weekly coaching calls, community chat with other overcomers just like you. You'll have the option to schedule a one-on-one coaching session with me if you need more support, and lots of other additional courses also included. Just search for Redefined by Jennifer Kramer in your app store or go to the link in the show notes to view the web-based version. I can't wait to see you there. A message from your future self. There are so many layers to you. Some are stuffed deep down and forgotten, and others hover right here on the surface. You're complex, and that's a beautiful thing. You are not just one thing, One attribute, one character trait, one talent, one movement, one glance. You are much more powerful than that. You are dynamic. You are moving. You are breaking from the molds that others placed upon you. You are moving. Strong, free, brave, bold, vibrant, alive so, so alive. What fills you with life today? What art or nature? What words, dance or song? What people and places? What tasks and plans? Your aliveness cries out. It wants to be lived. What new layer will you create today? How will you celebrate this life you have? Thanks for listening in today. In this journey of healing after narcissistic abuse, it's so important that we allow space for our past, present, and future selves to speak. 
Today, you've gotten a glimpse into some messages I received from different parts of my subconscious brain that just needed to be heard, along with an encouraging message from an imagined future version of you. I hope there was something that resonated with you here and that you'll take it along with you on your own healing journey. Remember, you are an overcomer.